Healthy Options with your host, Andre Bella, is up next. Welcome to Healthy Options, a program about integrative health therapies. I'm Andre Bella, and today we'll be speaking with Dr. Emma Bragdon about John of God and using spiritism in treating mental illness. Just a reminder uh, that this is a call-in show, so after the first half hour, um, please do call us with your questions and comments. That call-in number will be 866-625-9378, and we'll give you that number several times again before the half hour. So uh, we welcome um, Dr. Bragdon to the show this morning. Are you there? Good morning. Yes, I am. Thank uh, you very much, Andre. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, Emma Bragdon is the author of six books and co-producer of two documentary films revealing how spirituality relates to health. She's the director of the Foundation of Energy Therapies, a transpersonal psychologist, a teacher, and spiritual guide. Emma has led more than 60 groups to visit with John of God since 2001 and is now leading groups of health professionals to Brazil to learn about spiritual practices used to recover mental health in Brazilian psychiatric hospitals and community centers. Emma is deeply involved with education and research focused on spiritual therapies. For 45 years, she's been researching how spiritual development, energy work, and psychological work are all components of mental health recovery as they treat the causes of mental disturbance. Her first two books were on themes related to personal crises individuals may experience when expanding their consciousness. This book's called Spiritual Emergency. In the last 20 years, she's focused on helping people awaken and develop spiritually in a gentle manner without crisis. She does this through experiential classes and immersion in the work of John of God's Sanctuary. Well, welcome, Emma, and uh, you have, please tell us about your two newest books that have just come out. I think one is a medical textbook and another a resource book. So tell us um, the titles of those books and just a little bit about them. Thank you. Uh, the book that you were referring to as a textbook is really written for any sophisticated readers. It's not um, only a, a textbook, but it is very complete uh, view into how spiritist psychiatric hospitals work, the practical applications of spiritual therapies in those hospitals, a little bit about the history of spiritism, what it is, and um, one of the most interesting things, I think, are the stories uh, of people who have achieved healing through the spiritist therapies, but also the stories of the psychiatrists about their experience being conventionally trained physicians as well as um, highly trained mediums. Mm -hmm. So it offers a, a very different look into treatment as well as um, the training of practitioners. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and the second... Yes. Go ahead. The second one? The second one is Resources for Extraordinary Healing, which gives um, a very short view of the spiritist therapies in Brazil and then um, goes into what you can find in the United States that is similar. And it lists a, a tremendous amount of resources for uh, integrative mental health care in the United States. And are, uh, where can you um, purchase these books? Both books can be purchased through Amazon.com. Mm -hmm. And throughout the show, a couple of times, we're also going to ask you for your website information um, okay. so that as people listen to the show and they want to get in contact with you or find out how to get the books, we'll, we'll also talk about that. But first of all, tell, tell us a little bit about how you, uh, what led up to your actually coming to Brazil in 2001 and what kinds of experiences and background did you have leading up to that point? Well, you you mentioned a little bit about my bio, so I won't repeat myself. But um, prior to going to Brazil, I was teaching a course that was a nine-day experiential course in personal development. And so I was invited to go to Brazil and then um, strongly encouraged by friends of mine to visit John of God's Center. And I was told it was a place where people could achieve tremendous uh, healing of physical illness as well as psychological illness. And 
So I went to his center, uh, and as a result of being there, actually, in the first 24 hours, I became profoundly inspired by what I saw and was told that I would, uh, in the future, be someone who would be teaching about spiritism for the rest of the world, which shocked me tremendously (laughs) because I didn't even know the word spiritism. But these were mediums. Then then tell us a little bit about spiritism and what it is. Okay. Uh, Spiritism is very uh, aligned with spiritualism, which we know uh, in the United States. However, spiritualism started with a real fascination to the phenomena of talking to the dead. And so the, um, the, women, the two women who were really the, the people who were thought to start modern spiritualism in the United States kind of went on the road to show the phenomenon of tipping tables and various raps that came from um, extra physical sources. In other words, one couldn't um, rationally see where they came from, and so it must be some kind of evidence of, of speaking with the dead. But spiritism um, grew out of that, and it was made through a contact between uh, very highly evolved spirits and a man who came to be known as Alan Kardec, who was a French academic. And he, um, tra- in translating the wisdom of the higher spirits, he said, uh, really, he laid out a map of the journey of life, saying that spiritual evolution is clearly what we're here for. And so spiritism, even though it includes uh, talking with disincarnates or communication with disincarnates, is really dedicated to personal transformation and um, offers particular ways for personal transformation or inner transformation, as, as they refer to it in Brazil. And it's been around for about 120 years and has bond about 13,000 spiritist centers in, in Brazil, and people attend there because they're looking for spiritual and psychological healing, but also, as I said, a path of spiritual evolution. Now, now is spiritism uh, a Christian belief? How does Christianity fit in with spiritism? Well, um, spiritism is, in essence, not a religion. It's a social movement. And it's completely ecumenical, so that it uh, receives and welcomes people of all religious persuasions. But we, many people within Spiritism say that it is a path of practical Christianity because it's based on what we refer to as the golden rule. And <clears throat> so that is treat others as you would have them treat you, basically. And so it's a path of uh, that encourages charitable action towards others. Mm-hmm. And so it is really a, a path that we could say is, is uh, very Christian in its orientation. And the other thing is that it takes the life of Christ as it's come to us as a model of a healthy way of life, which is certainly a life of charity. And um, as some people are speaking of it now, Christ was really a model healer. So a path where one is dedicated to assisting others in their healing and their spiritual evolution is also a, a Christ-centered path. And, and does spiritism also encompass uh, belief in reincarnation? Definitely. That's one of the things that uh, some people would remark makes it uh, unappealing to those who are Christians because Christianity doesn't usually include belief in reincarnation. However, about 20 to 30 percent of people who are Christians now say they do believe in reincarnation. Mm -hmm. So I think uh, people are are reaching for a way to incorporate or integrate the belief in reincarnation and Christian belief. Mm -hmm. In in my readings, I I did read Kardec's um, book of the spirits, and I found it totally and completely fascinating um, because it did talk about this, this integration, which I think you're right that so many people are looking for a, a way to integrate those beliefs, beliefs they've had for a very long time and don't know quite, quite how, to f- how to fit them in. Um, and, and I think the other thing that stood out for me in, in Kardec's book is, and I think you mentioned this, talk a little bit about um, if uh, a medium is communicating with uh, 
discarnate spirits. What's the difference between the uh, spirits that are available to talk to? Well, Spiritism makes it abundantly clear that there is the same variety of spirits in the invisible realms as there are a variety of human beings walking on the street. So therefore, if you walk on the street, you know, you, you would notice that there are some people who have negative intentions that might want to take advantage of you, and there are other people who have very high intentions who may want to assist you or um, help you in any way they can. So in the, in the invisible realms of spirits, there are less evolved spirits or more ignorant spirits who may be motivated around doing you harm or even playing or playing with you in a, in a more yeah. benign way. Mm-hmm. And there are other spirits who are uh, absolutely dedicated to be of service to you and assist you in any way they can. So in communicating with the spirits, uh, the spiritists, make it extremely um, clear that one should dedicate themselves to, to in, uh, encouraging communication with the higher beings. So that might involve, uh, in prayer, praying to the higher beings, or in communicating with spirit guides to make sure that one is opening the door to the higher beings who are more evolved and more kindly, rather than the lower beings who are ignorant or might want to just play with us. Mm-hmm. So therefore, the spiritists don't condone um, working with things like the Ouija board, where we just basically fling open the doors of consciousness and say, "Ollie, ollie, in free to any spirit, <laughs> whether they're right. ignorant or uh, negative in motivation or positive." Mm-hmm. So you're saying, just as let's say here in our culture, if you wanted to talk to someone and you wanted some good advice you would ask a person that you had some respect for or you felt would give you some information that was valuable to you? Yes. Mm -hmm. We're very discerning when we're looking for wisdom. And hopefully people are discerning Discerning. when they look for a good therapist. Discerning, yes. That's a good word. Now, um, does, according to Spiritism, in order to um, communicate with these other beings, do you have to do that through a medium, or how, how do you do that? How do well, people ex- in, Go ahead. In Spiritism, um, because it, it was generated through dialogues with highly evolved spirits, there, uh, there is a, a basis or a, a history of communicating through mediums who have the gift <coughs> of communicating with the higher beings. Uh, and... Spiritism has actually within it a, a very not only very gifted mediums, but mediums who are then in a position to train others and to become, use their gifts or harness their gifts, I'd like to say, in a way that, that not only helps them but also helps others. And there are mediums who unfortunately have not had sufficient training and tend to become quite unbalanced in their life. And uh, their mediumship skills can take them over in some way, and they start losing touch with, with other reality. So the spirit, one of the things that <clears throat> has attracted me to spiritism is that I find that it, it helps people to stay very balanced in being very much part of this world and being able to function well in this world and also uh, participate in a balanced way with the spiritual worlds, which can offer us tremendous amount of guidance and support. And each one of us has the capacity to develop our relationship with our own spirit guides. And um, then there are fewer people, but certainly many people, who are gifted with being mediums or having mediumship skills that can be harnessed and can be used to serve other people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, now what about when we talk about spirit guides, does that include uh, things like guardian angels or protecting spirits? In other words, uh, can, according to spiritism, can we access um, these other beings and guides without the help of a medium? Yes. In fact, the spiritist centers, uh, many of them offer specific kind of meditations to help people become more uh, directly connected to their own sources of spiritual guidance. Whether each person calls that being a guardian spirit 
or an, a guardian angel or um, the higher self or an inner source of wisdom, it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. But there is this overarching belief that we, each of us, do have guardian angels or spirits as mm-hmm. well as something that we might call a mentor, one or more mentors, usually several, that um, actually even assisted us to make a decision about what kind of life circumstances we might be born into so that we, our spirits could be challenged to grow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this concept of each person having um, more than a handful of, of uh, higher, highly evolved beings that are at our sides to protect us and to assist us in our growth is, is something that's very typical of spiritism. Now, um, is John of God a spiritist? Is, is he a medium? You know, well, that's a very interesting question. He's, he's clearly a medium, as your second question asked, uh, and he prefers to be called uh, the medium John rather than John of God. John of God was a, um, a name that was applied to him by other people. So, yes, he is a medium, but <clears throat> he claims that he's not a spiritist. And I would say that that, uh, the philosophy of spiritism is something that definitely uh, you can see working through his center. But most spiritist centers offer classes and trainings. So one would be able to go into a class and discuss the matter of cause and effect and how it works through lifetimes, for instance, or Mm -hmm. cause and effect and how we need to work that with Mm -hmm. karma in this lifetime. Mm or the passage of spirits in and out of lifetimes and how they grow in the um, physical world as well as in the non-physical world. And there are also trainings for those people who are gifted as mediums to learn how to harness their mediumship and also trainings for people who want to learn something similar to Reiki, which they call energy passes, which are used very uh, freely in the spiritist centers to assist people in healing. Mm -hmm. So because these classes are not offered in John of God centers and there isn't as much uh, intellectual training, then you could say that it's not really a spiritist center because it doesn't follow those kinds of um, regulations that mm-hmm. you see in, in the other spiritist centers. So, so if you want that kind of training and information, you would have to actually go to a, a center to learn those classes and have the, learn that information. Well, yes, you would have to learn in that way from other centers or from other books. And I would say at John of God Center, people learn a tremendous amount, but it's a little mm-hmm. bit like tra- like teaching a child how to swim by throwing them in the water. <laughs> you just <laughs> you sink or swim. <laughs> I would say that and was my personal words, experience. <laughs> a, yeah, you get a little bit lost <laughs> yes. because there aren't a lot of reference points. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you either learn how to swim and get along very well or, mm-hmm. or feel like, Mm-hmm. You're disoriented for a while and then have to come up to speed with, mm-hmm. uh, through whatever ways you find. Mm-hmm. I want to want to just say at this point, for anybody who may have just tuned into the show, this is Hel- Healthy Options. And this morning we're talking with Dr. Emma Bragdon. Uh, we're talking about John of God and also uh, using spiritism in treating mental illness. Um, This is WERU Community Radio. We're 89.9 Blue Hill and 99.9 Bangor. We are listener-supported and uh, community-centered radio. So uh, very happy to have all of you who have joined us. And this is a live call-in show. And in about another 15 minutes, we will be opening up the phone lines. The number is 866-625-9378. Again, we're talking with a very interesting person, Dr. Emma Bragdon, and we've just started to talk a little bit about John of God, and I'll just put a little uh, note in here that last January I did go to Brazil to John of God's uh, sanctuary, and I think, Emma, what you're talking about of that kind of being thrown in in the sink or swim thing is very interesting because it's an extremely intense experience. I, I went for two weeks, and um, it's certainly something that is best to do with some kind of guidance. And I know you have led many groups there. Um, just um, tell our listeners a little bit about how those groups are organized and what people would expect if they were going on, on a trip with you to see John of God. 
Well, um, Andrea recently decided not to be taking more groups to see John of God because I'm so excited and enthusiastic about the work I'm doing, bringing groups of health professionals to visit the spiritist uh, clinics and hospitals in a nearby city. But I can tell you uh, a little bit in answer to your question, because I have taken 60 groups to see John of God. Yes. And so briefly, um, people usually fly into Brasilia, which is the capital of Brazil. It's a very safe airport. And then uh, take an hour-and-a-half-long trip up to Abidjania, where John of God's sanctuary is. And then being in Abidjania, people stay in uh, many inns that are available that offer very... Uh, clean room and usually private bath and three very healthy, nutritious meals um, each day. So then people can uh, either walk or take a taxi to the sanctuary, which is usually very close by to the inn where they're staying. And on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, John of God is present to uh, work with individuals, so he literally has a face-to-face consultation with the people who are coming to visit and has the opportunity to offer each person a unique schedule of what they need to do to take care of whatever their needs are, which they've expressed to him as a request of, please help me with X, Y, or Z, either physical or psychological issues or spiritual issues. So um, during the Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, it can be very intense because people are having these interactions with him or they are uh, meditating close to the place where he does his work. And so that would mean um, two to 400 people meditating together, which can, of course, be very intense. Mm -hmm. Very powerful. Very powerful work. And, um, And John of God is known not only as, as offering uh, diagnostics and, a, and certain kinds of treatment, but one of the treatments that he offers and is able to do through channeling higher beings is physical surgery. So the very high state that he needs to be in in order to do this work is something that uh, serves as a great inspiration for others. And watching the physical surgery is just a manifestation of how profound the interaction with higher spirits can be to affect healing. So, so explain a little bit more for our listeners about what, what he is actually doing when he is, how does he channel these beings, and, and what is that experience like for people from what you've seen? Well, I, I must say I can't offer a recipe about how to channel these higher beings. But he has... Who is he uh, channeling? Who are some of the, you know, those individuals? Yeah, he has a tremendous gift to channel uh, higher beings who have been doctors uh, or theologians or very high figures in um, religious traditions, who, most of whom were alive in the past. Sometimes he's also now tra- uh, channeling beings that do not seem to have a name. For instance, he has said at times, I'm channeling someone uh, that we can refer to as love itself. Um, so these, these uh, beings, some, some of these beings, as I said, have been uh, physicians in the past when they were incarnated on Earth and were highly trained and skilled as surgeons. And when he channels um, one being at a time, let's say a surgeon in this case, he actually then is given the facility to do physical surgery on people who are present there. So what, so, would, what would be an example of a, a type of physical surgery that he might do? Well, uh, the more typical kinds of surgery he's doing now are something that is referred to as eye scraping, where he literally scrapes the surface of an eyeball with a paring knife. And there is contact. I mean, it is truly scraping, and um, oftentimes he will ask a physician uh, in the audience to come up and watch or even hold the eyelids open so that, the, so that he can do the scraping, he meaning the being that he's channeling. Mm-hmm. 
And so these uh, doctors report that they see the physical contact, they see the uh, material that's being scraped off the eye, and it's not clear to them exactly why he chooses to do an eye scraping on someone because oftentimes he's, he's suggesting that surgery and doing that surgery in response to someone making a request for healing that has nothing to do with their eyes. So it's not always directed to the eyes, but the eyes somehow become um, an area that can be used if, uh, to direct healing towards another part of the body. Mm-hmm. And if we think about the energy meridians, for instance, in acupuncture, sometimes the ear is treated with a needle, but actually what's being um, dealt with is a problem in the ankle. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it, uh, we can't relate where he's treating the body in terms of what exactly is being, what part of the body is being um, affected. Mm-hmm. In a similar way, he does a surgery deep in the nose where he inserts um, a, something similar to a scissors uh, up through a nostril, and some people say it must go into the brain. Some pe- people say it goes into the sinuses of the nose cavity. Uh, it's it's uh, hard to say exactly what happens. Um, I've interviewed several physicians and asked them when they have um, watched John of God, you know, and watched this particular intervention, I've asked them, what do you think is going on? And most of them say that they can't explain it, but perhaps what happens is the, the metal scissors literally turn into, get transformed into energy when they're out of our sight. And what's being then stimulated are the pineal or pituitary glands within the brain through an energetic intervention. Now, what about, I mean, I know I had an eye injury at one time, and just the idea of anybody touching my eye, is is, I I just can't even, the thought of it is difficult. Um, What about anesthesia and pain? How does that factor in? Well, the way they speak about it at at John of God's Casa is that spiritual anesthesia is given to each person who is having the spiritual surgery. So one of the things that is literally phenomenal in watching um, the surgery or in having the surgery is that there is no pain. There is sometimes, as, as you, might have, you might have talked to people who've had the surgery, they might say, well, I felt some pressure, I felt some contact, but I didn't have pain. And any doctor would be quick to say anyone having an eye scraping along the lines of what John of God does or this intervention through the nose, if they were having it in a regular hospital through someone who wasn't a medium like John of God, they would experience tremendous pain. Uh, the nose intervention would bring on um, tremendous black and blue, as well as likely tremendous bleeding through the nose. And that bleeding is very, very minimal in the intervention that he does with the nose and also with other interventions he does with the body. I've watched him do... Okay. I've got him do abdominal surgeries and been very close, just mm-hmm. inches away while he does that. And um, so have clearly seen that there's very minimal bleeding and um, no trickery involved. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, now thousands of people go to John of God for healing. Uh, two questions for you. Um, does everybody that goes to John of God get healed for what they came there for? Uh, does everybody get some kind of a healing? And some people claim that John of God is a, a fake because they say they went to John of God and they didn't get healed. Uh huh. Well, that's a lot of questions. That, that is a lot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would say, well, well, what I have said to people who go to visit John of God with me is that uh, no one is doing any measurements, no one's doing any long term studies to validate these kind of numbers, but it appears to me that about 95% of the people who go to see him, if they follow the protocols that are suggested, which involve also a lot of personal work in meditation, then there is about a 95% success rate in terms of spiritual healing that really address the cause of all illness. Now, whether someone has a complete remission of symptoms while they're there, 
in other words, an instant remission of symptoms, or a remission of symptoms after they leave, has not been measured. And I would say on a conservative level, it ranges from 15 to 25 percent. Mm-hmm. So that would mean that some uh, people coming for a re- relief of all physical symptoms uh, may be disappointed, but on the other hand, they also may have some relief and recognize that they're in an ongoing process. In fact, the illness that they have is part of their spiritual path, and as they work with it, they are going to receive some of the um, gifts that come through spiritual evolution. Now, this is not good news to people who are desperate for cure mm-hmm. or who have uh, <laughs> a, a, a terrible illness in which they feel as they may die within a few months. Mm-hmm. They don't want to hear that they might that John of God isn't going to give them an instant healing. Mm-hmm. But on well, the I, other hand, go ahead. Well, I, I uh, would recommend to anyone who is interested in the subject to watch the movie um, Healing because I think it, it goes into this in, in depth um, and brings out the issue that uh, perhaps people need to go more than one time. Is, has yeah. that been your experience, that people go to see John of God multiple times? Well, I'll tell you, most of the people who, come, who have come with me in groups have wanted to go back because they feel so good there, and that if they're mm-hmm. dealing with a chronic illness, mm-hmm. they feel they can be in an environment where it's not... Um, it's, it's a very positive, uplifting environment, which assists them t- in their mood to feel better mm-hmm. and also assists them give, uh, in terms of giving them energy to do more de- in-depth spiritual work to get to the very bottom of what it is that caused the illness to begin with and then be able to root that out so that they can move more proactively towards their own healing. Yeah, I, th- this gets into the realm of what has always fascinated me about John of God because of that realization that we're really talking about not just treating physical illnesses, but we're treating psychological illnesses. So how does that work into what John of God is doing? And I want to segue into your work in Brazilian hospitals, but how is the psychological um, addressed at the CASA through John of God? Well, psychological is a big term, but I, I'll, I'll say one story is that I heard from a woman that she had brought a, uh, her child who was developmentally disabled to John of God. This is a Brazilian woman, and John of God had said, please come back ten times. Now, she lived only an hour and a half away, so that was not difficult for her. She brought her child back. We would say um, intellectually retarded. Is, is what this child was suffering from. And um, the child grew in a, in a way where she is now a um, Ph.D. in engineering. So the uh, difficulty she was having cognitively was removed. Now, a lot of that may have come from the fact that there was a kind of quickening of her karmic lessons that she was able mm-hmm. to achieve early in life and also her mother, because her mother was uh, attending a spiritist center and doing a lot of spiritual work herself, was also quickening the resolution of her karmic lessons from past lifetimes. Mm-hmm. And through that, she, there was a different environment then in the household, which assisted this woman, to, mm-hmm. the young woman, <laughs> to, to move uh, through some of her evolutionary issues and, and move to the other side of it, and her brain was able to and her nervous system able to support a, a, a different kind of development. Very interesting, so very interesting. That kind of thing can happen. Mm-hmm. Now, on the, on the other hand, I've been around uh, people who had trouble with addictions who came to the Spiritus uh, Center, and if they were open to doing their own personal work in meditation, then they also felt enabled to get to the very roots of why it is that that they were um, having the addiction and be empowered to leave that addiction. Mm-hmm. So um, sometimes that takes time. It's not an instant fix. Mm-hmm. Addiction is a difficult thing to deal with. Mm-hmm. But 
being able to be in, in a um, environment that's conducive to do the spiritual work that gets to the very root of the issue, of course, can help anyone with a psychological problem. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in the same way, someone who has been given a diagnosis of bipolar illness, and I had one man who was uh, 31 years old who had been given that diagnosis and had come to the CASA on medication, and he said, on a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being feeling terrible and 1 being feeling good, he had been basically feeling in 9 or 10, meaning suicidal for the last three years. Uh, and within three days of being at the CASA, he felt that he was in the area of 7, and by the time he left, he said I was, he was in the area of 1 or 2, meaning that he was feeling happy, hopeful, and felt that if he um, incorporated more of the spiritual work in his uh, lifestyle choices on returning home to the United States, that he would be able to move through the the problems that he had. And uh, so one doesn't know at this point whether that would mean a complete relief of all the symptoms that he was uh, diagnosed for, as well as the addiction, or exactly what track it's going to take. But I've had other people that I've known personally who have been able to re, uh, be relieved of all symptoms that, that we associate with manic depression as well as addiction, and also be able to re, re, be relieved of the necessity of taking psychiatric medication. Those are some major, major things because certainly those are major health issues in our in our culture, certainly in our American culture. Um, we're going to take a very short break here. I want to remind our listeners, this is Community Radio, WERU, um, 89.9 Blue Hill and 99.9 in Bangor. This is Healthy Options, uh, a live call-in show. And so after the break, uh, we welcome you to call 866-625-9378, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Healthy Options. This morning we're talking with Dr. Emma Bragdon, and we've been talking about John of God and using spiritism in treating mental illness. This is a call-in show, so we welcome your comments and your questions. Please call us at 866-625-9378. Please be patient with us, and please make your calls at the beginning of this half hour because we have only one phone line, so we will get to you as soon as we as we can. Um, we've been talking about John of God, and we've been getting into this um, very interesting subject of using uh, spiritism, these principles, to treat mental illness. And these are serious mental illnesses. We're talking about depression and bipolar and schizophrenia. Um, so what what led you to, uh, oh, we have a phone call. Um, do we have a caller there? Yes. Welcome. Hi. I, was, I didn't hear the beginning of the show, so I was wondering what the details are of um, going to John of God or, um, or you know, I, I get, you know. Can, can you talk to us just a little bit louder? We're having a little trouble hearing you. I said I was yeah, wondering. Much better. I'm not Thank able you. to hear at all. Yeah. Can we I, all I hear now? I was, I was wondering about the details of going to John of God and, and um, you know, how who you talk to, um, if that's something you want to do, uh, you're you're requesting details about who to talk to in terms of seeing John of God. Did I hear yes. correctly? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Let me give you a website to go to. 
It's called Friends of the Casa, as one word. Friends of the Casa. And the Casa is spelled C-A-S-A. Dot info. And that will give you a tremendous amount of information, including listings of guides who are available all over the world to bring people to John of God and to help them understand the protocols they need to understand in order to take advantage of the work that he does. Um, so I heard friendsofthecasa.org, is that correct? Dot .info. Dot .info, yes. I didn't have my pen at that moment. Mm-hmm. And um, is there a local group that um, that is involved in that? Are you speaking about in Maine? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I'm actually in Vermont, and Andre would probably be the best one to answer that question. There, there are several people in Maine who, including myself, who have been to visit John of God, and actually I'm going back again in October. And there are um, uh, journalistic people like myself. There are people who have gone for uh, their own physical and psychological situations. There are also psychiatrists and MDs from Maine who have all gone to see John of God. So if you get in touch with me, I can certainly get you in touch with other people who have, uh, who have been. Yes. Mm-hmm. And and in Vermont, I was curious about that. Is that? Uh, Are you asking <coughs> who might be available in Vermont? Yes. Okay. Um, you know, at at this stage, I think it's best to to consult the website I gave you, friendsofthecasa.info, for guides that are available. And there there are groups that come and go, and generally it it uh, relates to who is who has been recently traveling, and then they, uh, the groups tend to get together and be open groups. In other words, they're open for others joining them, but they get together to, to meditate and uh, do some of the other things that are done with, within the, the casa. For instance, um, some people choose to use blessed water for uh, healing, or and actually get into the practice of blessing water to offer to to each other as well as as others, and have discussion groups about the principles of spiritism. But I can't uh, readily give those phone numbers out to you in in terms of who to contact in Vermont. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Thank you for calling. You're welcome. We're just starting to touch on that, I think, that very um, intense and fascinating subject of how uh, Brazilians use spiritism in their psychiatric hospitals. Uh, Tell us about how you got interested in that kind of research and what you've discovered. Well, I was completely amazed by some of the stories that I told you a few minutes ago in terms of people being helped who had um, were born with, with severe disabilities, or who acquired them later on in life. Uh, we have or an, another caller on the line. Can we just okay. take that other caller and then hold that thought, and we'll come right back to it. Caller, are you there? Good morning. This Good morning. Yo, in Tremont. Yo, welcome. I'm fascinated by your juxtaposition of uh, spiritism and mental illness, because I think it's clear that there's no fine line between the two. And uh, many people report hearing voices. And could they be spirits? Or could they be radio waves? Or we could relate it to the, uh, the, the surge in diagnoses of autism. Could it be that people who neurotypicals view as autistic are actually in tune with a spirit, a, a different spirit, that normal people can't really hear. Anyway, I wanted, to, I wanted to say that uh, mental illness and spiritism may very well be the same thing, but viewed from a different perspective. Thanks wow. so much for putting on this show, and thank you to everyone for supporting Community Radio. Thank you for calling. <laughs> well, so there's, there's a whole I, pile uh, of comment. questions there. <laughs> Go Andre, ahead. Shall I comment about that? Um, uh, sure. Uh, wh- how about commenting it in in relation to your research and and what you found 
because uh, I think a lot okay. of people would be asking those same types of questions, and maybe you need to sort that out a little bit. All right. So um, just in brief, I was saying that I was quite amazed by what I observed with people getting help at the Spiritus Centers, and then I became aware that there were 50 Spiritus Psychiatric Hospitals in Brazil that were put together basically for people who, who needed a stable, secure place and needed to be um, assessed by a psychiatrist because they were clearly psychologically disturbed, um, meaning they were upset themselves and they were um, upsetting for the people around them. And in, in uh, the spirit of psychiatric hospitals, they have mediums who are trained to do uh, diagnosis through using their psychic abilities. So that would mean a clairvoyant medium would be able to see into the subtle bodies of a patient and be able to see any kind of energetic blockages, both um, in the subtle bodies as well as in, in the systems, the internal systems of the body, and be able to assess a person's health in those means but a clairvoyant medium is also able to go back into the past lifetimes of a person and assess what might have been the seeds of psychological illness in this lifetime and thus what needs to be attended to in order for recovery to take place. So there's a whole um, aspect of diagnosis that can be offered in these spiritual psychiatric hospitals, which includes medical intuition and everything that is done in our primary uh, hospitals today. In other words, assessing a person physically as well as uh, assessing the psychosocial stressors in their life to see what it is that are the components of the illness. So diagnosis is done in a, in a, um, a radically different way than, than what we have because of the addition of the, of the medical intuition, but also um, uh, treatment is done in a different way. They can, they can offer all of the um, psychiatric medications, which we offer because they have them there and can access them. But on the other hand, they, um, some of these hospitals choose to minimize the use of psychiatric medication and instead to um, look into the spiritual aspects of what's going on and to address that more directly. And what they find as a result is that frequently they can assist a person through an emergency or a psychological crisis without much use of the psychiatric medication, and thus they don't even go into the arena of suggesting that a person be on psychiatric medication for the rest of their lives. Unfortunately, that's very, very different than what our system is doing right now because it's quite frequent that a person will be diagnosed as having an illness and then their symptoms will be treated through the psychiatric medication, and it will be suggested that they continue on the psychiatric medication treating those symptoms uh, for the rest of their life. So the real cause of the psychological illness is, not, um, is often not treated. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of curious about, and I've read this um, in your book and also in other books, that uh, sometimes the rate of recovery from some of these serious uh, mental illnesses seem to be better in, in third world countries than, than they do in places like the United States. I mean, what, what about that? How, what does that account for? Do you think that is, um, uh, are they using less, less medications and, and other things? Well, there's uh, a fellow by the name of a journalist, actually, a, a award-winning journalist, investigative journalist, Robert Whitaker, who wrote a book called Anatomy of an Epidemic, in which he went into the long-term effects of psychiatric medications and some of the um, very well-documented evidence that shows that long-term use of some of these very powerful drugs actually lead to uh, debilitation and cognitive impairment as well as systemic breakdown. So um, we're dealing with some, some extremely potent uh, psychiatric medications. And I am not anti-psychiatry. I believe that it's, it's wonderful to have a, a full range so that we can do integrative medicine and integrate the best of 
above everything that we know. However, uh, we do tend in this country to to make use of a the more chemical, biochemical perception of what's going on uh, if there's a dysfunction with with the body on a psychological level, and so we tend to go towards the drugs and and forget about the other issues, even though uh, our some of our most prominent leaders in psychiatry are saying we don't really know the cause of mental illness. So uh, in other countries that that are doing better with with uh, the resolution of, of what has been diagnosed or what would be in our country diagnosed as schizophrenia are, are basically recognizing that someone may have a break and they may even need medication for a short period of time, but then they can be reintegrated back into the family given time to rest and then um, at a slower pace reintegrate back into their work life. And what has happened has basically been a psychological crisis that they can let go of and move back into a normal life with, whereas we tend to look at it in a very different way. That if one if someone has a break, <clears throat> then they have a different kind of personality profile. They'll likely have breaks in the future, so why not just avoid any break in the future, give the medication for the rest of their life. Mm-hmm. I do want to remind our listeners, we are talking with Dr. Emma Bragdon, and uh, we're talking about treating mental illness um, through spiritism. This is a call-in show, and the number is 866-625-9378. So uh, please do call us with your, your comments and your questions. And I... Um, I would like to also have you um, give us your website, Dr. Bragdon, and how people can get in touch with you if they have more questions um, about what we've been talking about this morning. Okay. Yes, my website is uh, my name, which is emmabragdon.com. Emma is spelled with two M's. That's E-M-M-A and then Bragdon, B-R-A-G-D-O-N. And on the website uh, is listed my email address, my phone number, and um, and my mailing address as well. So it's quite easy for people to reach me. My my uh, phone number is 802-674-2919. And I do offer personal coaching. There are people who are in this country who are looking for alternatives as they approach um, how to help people who are in psychological distress. And the book that I recently wrote, which is Resources for Extraordinary Healing, is written for families who are in that particular struggle, as well as individuals who are facing psychological disturbance and want to understand what some of the viable alternatives are to a course in lifelong psychiatric uh, medication. We have another caller on the line here. Is caller, okay. are you there? I am. Hi, um, my name's Diana. I'm calling from the road. So I've um, the show has kind of come in and out. So I may have missed big pieces. So I may be going over the same stuff. But um, I just recently watched um, a video called The Living Matrix, and it's about um, healing, not necessarily uh, specifically psychiatric. Um, but one of the um, one of the areas that I'm have a question about is that, that was brought up in that video is the placebo effect and how little um, we have used or, or studied that. And I'm wondering if um, there was more done in Brazil with um, looking at placebo effect. And I'll take my answer off. The, off Great here. question, Fiona. <laughs> I. I'll tell you, one of the things that I admire about the spiritists is they're so uh, goal-oriented towards helping people that they don't do as much systematic study as we do here. So it's, uh, uh, I would say that, that in terms of studying the placebo effect that you would probably find more research and documentation in the United States. But an interesting thing that has come about uh, in the last six months which is there is a lot of documentation showing that most uh, drugs that have been used for depression recently are just as effective as a placebo pill, a sugar pill. 
So uh, there is a, a tremendous amount of attention now being paid to the placebo effect and psychological distress. And um, I would say also that just from my from another point of view, <laughs> the Brazilian point of view, uh, when people move into taking more responsibility for what caused their illness and being able to do some personal work, as in meditation and prayer, to affect change, <clears throat> that they their positive thinking and their faith in higher beings can have a tremendously positive impact on the course of their recovery. And whether you call that placebo effect um, or not depends on your own frame of reference. So if you have a frame of reference of only chemistry, bio, biochemistry is going to work, then we could say, well, it's just a placebo effect that people have faith in God and therefore they're healing. But if you come from uh, a spiritist perspective, you would say that uh, our illnesses originate in our life as spirits, and therefore we have to go into the very cause of our illness in order to affect change. And biochemistry is simply dealing with symptoms. So it, the biochemical uh, uh, drugs can, can assist us for a short period of time, but if we really want healing, we've got to go into the cause, which is in the spirit. Thank you very much, caller. And I think we have another caller on the line. No? You're not there. Okay. <laughs> Um, we are we are talking to Dr. Emma Bragnan, and we're talking about spiritism and treating mental health. And um, I I do want to ask a little bit more about how um, health professionals who might be interested in integrating some of these practices into their work uh, could learn more about this. All right. Well, um, the practices are important, but I would say that first of all, to get acquainted with the whole paradigm, it's a it's a very different paradigm that we don't have much access to in the United States. The, the book Spiritism and Mental Health would give any kind of uh, practitioners of, who are psychiatrists, psychologists, psychotherapists, counselors, a real key into what is this paradigm about and what are the practices and applications that are uh, involved. And it's a, it's a quite easy book to read and gives a lot of perspective because the, most of the chapters were written by Brazilians who are both psychiatrists and mediums themselves. And so they can speak the language of psychiatry and psychology as well as um, neuroanatomy and can answer a lot of questions uh, from different dimensions as a result. Mm -hmm. And I've, I've also included several chapters written by uh, people who are researchers in this country as well as people who are known for their expertise in consciousness research and uh, looking at the value of blessed water from a um, biophysical point of view. So there are a lot of different perspectives that are explored in the book Spiritism and Mental Health, and it was just published this year, 2012. Mm -hmm. I also want to put a plug in for your um, other book, the Call of Spiritual Emergency, um, because I found that book extremely interesting. When I first saw the title, I was totally mystified. What is a spiritual, you know, emergency? And so talk, talk a little bit, and we just have uh, one or two minutes left, but just talk about what a spiritual emergency is and how one would deal with that. I know that's a huge subject, but just very briefly, okay. about one minute, tell us about All that. All right. Well, some people, as they're growing on a spiritual level, and it might be through a yoga class or a meditation, or it might be through, through a particular stressor, like a near-death experience, some people are thrust into perceiving the world from a, a very different perspective. Uh, for instance, that the world of spirits truly does exist, or the world of light beings that take us into the light when we leave our body really does exist. And... Uh, when people have that kind of intense experience, it can lead them to reevaluate not only their own life, but their uh, religious loyalties and um, also just the beliefs about how the world is made up. And during those 
periods of disorientation, if a person is unable to really function in their family life or in their work life, we could say that they're in certainly an emergency. I wish we had more time. I think we could do a whole nother show, but our time is up. I want to thank you, Dr. Bragdon, very much for being with us. And thank you, Amy Brown, for being our station engineer. Please join us the first Wednesday of every month for Healthy Options. Support for WERU health-related programming comes from